You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Exciting stuff, right? Man, it's exciting to be a part of this. I love Bill sharing the vision of what this is all about. We got to see it firsthand um, this last week, watching all the food come in to our Parkside location and then watching it go out. Uh, It is exciting. And it is to do this on a regular basis and to make this a lifestyle. That's the challenge. Um, And this idea of flipping the switch from temporary, looking at temporary things, and looking, flipping it to eternal. Uh, this last week, I had one of these moments, even after I had prepared this message, uh, surprisingly, um, at Walmart. How many of you love, show, show of hands, and maybe you can like on online, that you love just going to Walmart? And exactly. Okay, we have one. We've got one. All right. That's okay. It's Okay. All right, it's okay. There are good things that happen there. And Friday was an instance. I was on my day off, and uh, in the morning I was out in the woods and you know sitting up in a tree, uh, praying, praying that something wonderful would pass by. <laughs> and Bambi's grandpa—that's what I'm always looking for. Uh, but he eluded me. But I, when I come home, and my wife's like, yeah, go have fun. And then when I come back, I've got a list to go to Walmart to get food. And so I went and just trying to get out of there and get all the stuff I'm supposed to get. Um, and I'm, I'm in the checkout line, and there's a commotion behind me. And I turn and I listen. And the lady who's checking out had lost her purse in the store. And she couldn't pay. And she was also wondering, where's my purse? And she went to customer service and they're all waiting. And, and cert- sure enough, somebody had turned in her purse. She comes running back and, and, and she starts to get out her money. And the cashier says, no, 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 no. This gentleman just paid for all your groceries. And she said, no, that's too much money. No, no, no. He said, and he looked at her and he said, Merry Christmas. <laughs> and I was like, that guy has already flipped the switch. And he didn't lose this moment. And I would suspect that this gentleman probably did this a lot. He just loved it. He was like, this is it. I'm going to grab that. The challenge for us, though, is we get busy. And, and I am thankful. And I'm, listen, I'm one of these guys where I'm getting it. And I looked at, I actually jumped in one line. I was like, nope. And I pulled out. I went to the other line. And I probably went to that line just so I could witness that and share it with you. But I'm thankful I didn't go two lines down because I was so in this, like, I just got to get out of here. I probably would have missed it. There's always something in the way. And Jesus was so, so, so awesome at this. Always looking at the things that were in the way for people between temporary and eternal and pointing those things out. We're going to look at that story in a moment. But first, I was thinking about this idea of of one thing, one thing, one thing remains. And what is that for us? The thing that remains in the way of us flipping that switch. Um, I thought about my son who runs cross country. I thought about uh, a few years ago when he's been running for about three, four years now. A few years ago, there was a race in a park and they would, in Omaha where we live there. And you can see they were all lined up and they're all getting ready to go. And the guy gets on the big horn and he, and he tells them the instructions, you know, two or three instructions. And he says, one more thing. 
don't hit the tree. They're running straight towards that tree, and there's this little tree in the park. You know, it's this great, great wide open, but someone decided to plant that tree right there, and he just had to remind all the other runners, don't run into the tree. Isn't it like that in our spiritual journey? That there's always one thing that kind of gets in the way. One thing. And God, through Scripture, through our friends, Christian friends, time and prayer, he wants to point out the things in, in, in the way. Jesus pointing these things out. Uh, he, he's always looking for these things and wanting to share them with us. Uh, interestingly, there was one thing throughout Jesus's ministry that he continued had to bring up that was in the way for people. Money. Money and possessions. He talked about those things really more than anything else because it was such a big thing. And let's be honest, it's always a big thing. Money and stuff, it's not bad to have those things, but those things can have us. And that's the challenge. And so this is why we are talking about flipping the switch. What's in the way of us flipping the switch and living for eternal things? What I'm going to do is I'm going to read you a story. It's a story of um, uh, the rich young ruler. And we're going to look in the book of Mark um, and chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. And this encounter that Jesus has, I'm going to read through this whole passage. And then we're going to go back. We're going to rewind. And I'm going to break it into a couple pieces. And because there's some thoughts in there, I think we can, um, we can grab onto. And hopefully God will move us to a decision uh, in our own life about one day to feed the world. But it may be even bigger than that, too. All right, so let's look at this together. Starting with verse 17 in the New Living Translation, it says, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you have not done. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have a treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. Thinking about this scene and how it begins, I remember back to my senior year in high school. I, was, um, I had dreams, aspirations, and my dream was to be a politician. So I was accepted into a program called uh, Presidential Classroom, and I got to spend a week in Washington, D.C. Uh, so I spent a week there with other students and got to meet congressmen, senators, uh, got to see how everything worked. I remember standing, and aren't we just glad in this moment that I, those dreams were not God's dreams? <laughs> That's where we all just say, Amen. Okay, um, And I remember we got to go to all different places in Washington, and I remember a whole group of us were on the steps of the Supreme Court. And those steps are huge. 
They are wide. They are deep. Uh, and we were somewhere in the middle of those on one side. And over on the other side, we could see a reporter, and we recognized him. One of us recognized him and said, that's Sam Donaldson. And there was a camera there. And so us being just, you know, 17, 18-year-olds, really excited, we ran all the way over there. We just all running. We all had suits and, you know, nice dress on. Ran over there, ran over there and got right up to him because he was just standing. He wasn't on camera. We're like, hey, 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 Sam. And he's like, bye, guys. And then we walked away, you know. But we ran up to him. We were like, ah. We ran up with all kinds of excitement, but no purpose other than just, hey, we saw him. What's different here, though, and what's cool is that this young man ran up to Jesus with excitement and purpose. Here he is running up, and you can just imagine he's running up to Jesus, and he's like, ah, ah, drops to his knees and says, good teacher, what must I do? What must I do? And, you know, Jesus uses this encounter, and in this moment, with him having such excitement and such purpose to point to him what was in the way and to show him the true way. That's what he's doing here. As we go back to verse 17, he's starting out on his way to Jerusalem, running up to him, kneeling down. Good teacher, what must I do? And let us pause before we talk about there's a couple things that are in the way for him. Let's pause and admire this. This man, uh, we, we need to admire his eagerness. Because when we run and we drop to our knees, God is always ready to respond. That's what Jesus did. He was responding to him. He turned, gave him his full attention. And when we do that, when we run to him with passion, eagerness, and humility, dropping to our knees, God's ready to respond. That's such a good thing about this. We can't, we can't uh, read past this and not pause and think about how good our God is to respond to us. He wants to be re responding to us. He is attentive to our prayers, to our questions when we run to him with eagerness and humility. Sometimes what's in the way are questions. And if you have questions, and we do have questions, what are we doing with those questions? If you allow them just to circle around in our minds, those questions can become frustrations if we do not run with eagerness and running and dropping to our knees and saying, God, would you help me to understand this? Another good place for this is our connect groups. Uh, in our connect group on Wednesday, David and I lead a young lady uh, through our study, we stopped and we said, who has questions? And she pulled out her paper and she had five questions for us and went right down the list as we talked about prayer. What about this? How do you do this? What is this like? What does this mean? It was so good. So good. What are you doing with your questions? I encourage you with eagerness and humility Go to your knees and ask God, would you help me understand these things? He may not give you all the answers or even the answers you want, but he will respond. He will respond. As we move forward, when we look at 18, 19, and 20, um, Jesus pauses. Before he answers the big question, he says, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. And then 
goes on, answers, answers your question. He sums up the Ten Commandments, basically. And then he, the young man replies, I've obeyed all these things. I've done all these things ever since I was young. Jesus, when he pauses and he says, why do you call me good? This is kind of interesting. Why does he do this? Well, this, man, this young man runs to him and says, good teacher. Jesus realizes that this young man doesn't realize he's the son of God. He says, good teacher. And so he is pointing him to the goodness of God, understanding he doesn't quite get all this yet. I need him to understand that. And there's two things, but he also knows his heart. And his heart is, what are the things, the good things that still remain that I have to do? And this brings us to a very important point. And as I make this point, I'll share with you that in seminary, they taught, taught us for preaching to not use a negative at the beginning of any point or just keep it encouraging and positive. I'm going to break that rule because I want you to understand what Jesus is trying to get across to this young man. And it's important for us as we want to flip the switch to eternal things, but there's a danger. Here's the point. Don't substitute good works for the goodness of God's grace. This is really important. Jesus knew this young man's heart. He really wanted to do all the right things. But there's a danger. There's a danger that we flip this switch and we think, if I just do more good things, it'll all be good. But, you know, as I was reading this morning, last night and this morning, I was thinking about Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, beautifully, beautifully give us a picture of what the work of Christ means for all of us. It says that Christ has made us right in God's sight. And it is through our faith, our faith, that we have access to this undeserved privilege to his grace. Christ makes us right before God. Jesus does. Here he is standing in front of this young man, wants him to understand, listen, there's nothing that you can do to inherit the kingdom of God. It is Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. It is through him. So what we can't do is say, I'm just going to do a lot of good things, and then I'm going to be all right. What we need to understand is first, do we have Christ? And it is through Christ and an understanding of this, his amazing grace that propels us forward to do the good things because Christ is in us. That is so important as we talk about flipping the switch, understanding this. Start from the point of grace and understanding that first. Then verse 21 is so beautiful. Jesus, looking at the man, felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done. One thing remains. One thing remains. I love this. This just jumped out to me as I looked at this a few weeks ago uh, when we were talking about this passage. God will always appeal to us out of love. Here it is, Jesus looking at the man, looking at him. 
with love, genuine love and compassion for him and his soul. We all know uh, and we can all remember the look that we would get from a parent, right? Remember when you get the look? Like, uh-oh, that look? We know that look. But we also know the look of love. I understand this from Pastor Bill, from myself, from Pastor David, Michael, Pastor Donnie. We look at you and we encourage you. And as we're talking about one day to feed the world, as we're talking about encouraging you to flip the switch, we make an appeal out of love. We are not here to uh, guilt you into anything. We appeal to you out of love. Knowing the heart of the Father, knowing what he wants for us, his children, to be children of light, understanding God's generosity and grace, that we too would be living that out. So we appeal to you out of love. Understand our hearts. So Jesus, in this moment, says one thing, one thing. And here's the reveal. Go and sell all your possessions. Give the money to the poor. You will have, a treasure, have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. One thing remains. Imagine hearing that. Imagine hearing that. One thing. You only have, you've done so many great things. You just have one thing left. That's it. In that moment, I wonder if he just had a little bit of hope. Like, oh, oh okay, just, just one little thing. And then Jesus breaks the news. Go sell it all. Go sell it all. All that you've accumulated, all that you have, would you sell it all? Here's the thought that goes with this. God asks us to give in a way that hurts because that's the way he gave. God gave his one and only son. What he was asking of this rich young ruler, I need you to give all this up. Jesus knowing not too long from that moment, he would be giving his life for this young man. So he's saying, I need you to give it all away for my sake. Pastor Bill gave a great backstory on Convoy of Hope. Um, you know, he's, I, I love the connection with Convoy of Hope, with Hal Donaldson. Um, I don't, I've met Hal a few times, but I was, I was a uh, privileged to know his brother Steve, um, and I too had heard that story of them losing their parents and, and uh, all the great work that has happened through their lives of generosity. And um, so I've had this connection with Convoy for um, almost 20 years now. And uh, when we were in Omaha, uh, the pastors there um, rallied around and had a uh, decided, hey, we're going to have Convoy come in to the middle of our city and we're going to do um, a citywide Convoy event where we gave groceries away, but we also did free haircuts and, and they do this in different cities. And free haircuts, free medical clinic, and 
uh, free shoes. And so our church was positioned with the shoes. And I'm sharing a story with you that I have never shared before. Um, it's one that I've kind of held on to, but I felt like this was a moment I'll share because I think it's important. Um, and as we were there, the, we only had kids' shoes. So parents were bringing their kids through this line. And we were just making sure that they had the, the, all the sizes covered. And we would put out the different shoes as people walked through their line with their kids. And as I was walking, we were connecting with people, talking with people. And a gentleman came there with his wife and two kids and walking past me. And we started talking. And uh, I remember him saying to me something to the effect, I really wish... I wish they had more than kids' shoes. And I looked down at his feet, and he had a pair of sandals that were way past donation time. I mean, I looked at him, I was like, whoa. And in that moment, I had this nudge from the Lord. And it's this quiet whisper, and it said, Jay, give him your shoes. And I was... Then, in that moment, wearing a new pair of sneakers, not more than a month old. I really like these shoes. <laughs> and for a second, I kind of dismissed it. I was like, oh, I, I can't do that. I mean, this, you know. And, but I, I got that nudge again. And I looked at him. I said, what size are you? And he, and he told me. And, and um, I said, well, I think my shoes will fit you. Can I give you my shoes? And I remember the look on his face. He was shocked. He's like, really? Are you serious? He said, I haven't had a pair of, you know, nice shoes for a long time. I said, and I got down, I took them off. I said, here, why don't you put them on? And, and he said, yeah, they fit. This, these are awesome. Thank you so much. And I walked away from that event in those broken down sandals. I tell you this story not to to boast, but to illustrate, because I believe in that moment, God was testing me, asking me, are you willing to give up something? Are you willing to give in a way that hurts a little bit? Are you willing to let go of something that you really love or that you really like? This is so important for us to understand so important because God asks us to give sacrificially so we will loosen our grip on, it, on the temporary things. That's what he was doing. Helping me to remember you got to let go of these things. You got to be willing at any moment to say, okay, God, here you go, to loosen the grip. I have a question today that I think all of us need to reflect on. How tight is your grip on the temporary. How tight? It may be money. It may be stuff. It might be other things. How tight is your grip? I encourage you not just to think about that question, but to prayerfully consider it, to ask God, God, what is it that I am holding too tightly to? Such an important thing for us to understand and I, I do, as I walk through this message again, I wrote down, I wish, honestly, I wish I had more stories to tell you. I think God would want me to have more stories than I have. So I encourage you, start building up stories of doing this. 
of doing this. I believe that's what God was moving this young man to after he asked him to give in a way that hurts. We all know the end of this story. Mark 10, 22, at this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. He went away sad. Remember how the story started? He's running up with excitement, out of breath probably, dropping to his knees and saying, Teacher, what must I do? And he walks away sad with his head down. This word sad, dug just a little bit deeper, is a Greek word in, in, this, in, in Mark's account, because we have a couple of accounts of this story um, in Matthew and Luke. But here, Mark gives us a word the, word, the Greek word is stignosis, and it only appears twice in Scripture. This time and in the other time, it has to do with describing gloomy weather. Gloomy weather. So, to give you the picture, he's walking away from the King of Kings, Jesus, walking away from him, choosing not to follow Jesus, but gloomy with a cloud over his head. Picture that. If you've all seen the, the cartoon Peanuts or the shows Peanuts, they, they would have that. Or Charlie Brown would be walking around with like, you know, a cloud over his head and raining. That's what it was like. He was walking away, gloomy, turning his back on Jesus and yet a cloud over his head. Here's the thought that goes with this. Our decisions determine whether we get closer to God or move further away. God is moving us to points of decision. He's always moving us to points of decision. This is a critical life decision. He went away. What's leaving you gloomy? in your life that you need to walk away from and turn towards the Savior. I believe he wants us to go towards him, not away from him. Because the more and more I thought about this, this man chose to walk away from Jesus with his head down and gloomy. And yet he came to him excited if we think really hard about the things that we're holding on to, some of those things really making us gloomy and sad inside. And yet maybe those are the things, the emptiness, the, the thing that God is trying to actually say, that stuff, if you let it go and move close to me, you will flip that switch. And the abundant life that I want to give you, you'll experience. These are the, this is the decision that he wants to move us to. This message is preparing you, we hope, for a decision next week for one day to feed the world, but I wonder if he wants to do much more in your heart today. What is it in your life that is bringing great sadness that you need to let loose of and turn and walk towards the Savior? As I conclude um, this last Monday, sitting with uh, the pastors talking about uh, the preaching schedule the next few weeks, 
I'm still getting my feet wet, still getting into the rhythm of things. Pastor David looked at me and he said, well, you're preaching at Oakmont. And, and, and um, I think Pastor David's preaching or Pastor Michael's preaching at, um, at our other location. And I said, um, no, I'm not preaching this week. What are you talking about? He said, no, you're preaching. And I looked at the schedule wrong and I, and I looked back. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm preaching. I, I, didn't, I remember now. <laughs> They're like, oh, the new guy, the new guy. So I started looking at the passage, and I remembered this was a passage a couple weeks ago we had looked at and talked about. And I just said, all right, God. Um, usually I would, have, I would have prepared a little earlier. I was like, all right, Lord, I really need to know what you want to say. What, what do you want to do? And I really just got a sense that God really wants to move some of you to a critical decision. A really a critical decision. Just like this young man. Right after this, Jesus has a discussion with the disciples saying, it's hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's like a camel going through the eye of a needle. And just after this, and I want to read this, Peter began to speak up, starting in verse 28. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. And Jesus says, yes, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now and return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. This is flipping the switch to the eternal. But many who are the greatest now would become the least important then, and those who seem least important now will become the greatest then. The last line being the great reversal. But I love this phrase, for my sake and the good news. Who are you giving for and who are you living for? This is the switch that Jesus is asking us to flip to eternity. Who are you giving for and who are you living for? Is it for, my, for his sake and for the gospel? Let it be so. Let it be so. Because who you give for reflects who you live for. When you flip towards eternity, you are choosing greatness later. When you walk away and hold on to the things that will only make you sad, you say, I want to try to figure out how to be great now. I encourage you to choose eternity with all that you are doing and all that you are living for. Let us bow our hearts right now. Jesus, we thank you so much that you want to move us to decision about the one thing that remains, the thing that's in the way. Whatever that is, I pray that you would convict our heart Point it out to us and let us make that choice to turn towards you, not away from you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.